Well, hello and welcome to the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. This is Brian Metzer, your host, back with you once again. And uh, don't mind my uh, unique production skills there that uh, involve playing a little bit of my uh, chip demonic penned less than circular song for the intro to this show. Um, still trying to perfect the art of uh, building my mobile studio. So. I use the real high-tech way of playing it on the show, so hopefully you just got a kick out of hearing it for the first time. That's just the intro. We'll get you a little more of that song uh, down the line or a little bit later on uh, in the season, but I wanted to, to try and mix it in, so hopefully that intro doesn't sound too choppy or messed up, and we'll, we'll experiment a little bit more moving forward. But it is great to be back with you as it is each and every week, and I look forward to talking some Pittsburgh Penguins, National Hockey League, and much more with you uh, as always here today. Before we get into anything else, though, I do want to tell you where you can find this show, as you uh, you know by now, I hope, where you can find it. But in case you don't, uh, you can find us at timesonline.com. That's the home for all of our uh, coverage, all of our podcasts, all of our scholastic news, anything else you want to get yourself into, you can find over at timesonline.com. You can find the shows at iTunes. You can find them at Stitcher Radio and, of course, right on SoundCloud. Simply search Beaver County Times and you will find us there. You can also find us uh, on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter, that is, at Brian underscore Metzer. Please do look me up there. Uh, look forward to interacting with you on social media. I'm a little disappointed, though. I uh, I didn't get many questions this week. I'd like to see a lot more questions moving forward. We do have a number uh, to go through today, but, uh, you know, this is your chance to sound off and and get your question answered on a real live hockey podcast that's sanctioned and sponsored by a real live news outlet. There's not many of those floating around in the Pittsburgh market, so uh, get yourself involved moving forward. But we do have a few that we'll get through a little bit later on in the show. You can find our sports coverage, of course, at Time Scores on Twitter, so look us up over there. Uh, there's been a lot going on in terms of the Penguins. I, uh, I will be completely honest with you, I missed... The first game of their recent losing streak, I know they turned it around with a win against the, well, they sort of turned it around with a win against the uh, Washington Capitals on Monday, but it all kicked off with a loss to the Capitals last Wednesday night uh, in Washington. The Penguins fell 5-2, letting up a goal 35 seconds in, and I actually did not get to see most of that game. I I watched some of it later um, because I had it recorded, but... um, I was in Cleveland. I know Pittsburghers listening probably have their flesh burning because your trusty uh, podcast host was up in uh, the rival city, and I was up there to see the uh, Udo, who is the former singer of the band Except. You may be familiar with them from the 1980s. Well, he is uh, in his 60s now, I believe, and he was touring um, for the first time playing accept tunes for the first time in many years he, he has a, a ton of solo material that he's put together but anyway I went with uh, a friend of mine you may know him on Twitter heavy metal Dano is his name but we went up to check out that show and good time was had by all while the Penguins were falling to the Washington Capitals so it, it, you know it, it was not a good showing for them in our na- in our nation's capital they lose that game five to two uh, Mark Andre Fleury touched for four goals in that game, and uh, it just started a, a spin in the wrong direction because they came out Thursday, fell to the Ottawa Senators four to one. Ugly game there. You don't like that scenario. Uh, I think, I, by all accounts, from what I saw, heard, and talked to people about the Washington game, the um, Penguins 
didn't look bad per se in the Washington game. I felt they looked very bad in the Ottawa game, just not their kind of game. Uh, they were bad on special teams, 0 for 3 on the power play. They allowed two goals against. Uh, their penalty kill faltered yet again, and then that turned into a really wretched one. That was a 4-1 loss. That turned into a really wretched game against the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday, where they lost 6-3, to and uh, that one wasn't good, and that dropped their season record to 26-11-5. Now, they did come back with a victory on Monday against the Wash Caps at PPG Paints Arena in what was a, a throwback. We joked up in the press box that it felt like that old, I don't know if you guys used to watch this, uh, I think ESPN may have televised it. It was Pro Beach Roller Hockey, and uh, it was funny, you know, uh, Mark Madden, who uh, is, you know, my colleague at the Times, over at the Times, he writes a column for the paper, and uh done some radio work with Mark as well, but Mark said he was partly involved in making the rules for that old roller hockey league, and it involved a ramp behind the net. Uh, They played on roller skates or or roller blades, but they used a ball. That was what made it a little bit unique, and that's because of the ramp, and it was Marty McSorley's brother that was heavily involved with that league, and Mark is buddies with him, and that's why he was involved. That was a little nuance I got from Mark up at the the game on Monday, but... um, that's what I felt like watching it is that it, it seemed like that pro beach roller hockey league where you're playing with a ramp, you're putting up eight, you know, 10 goals in a game. Well, this one involved the Penguins beating the Caps eight to seven, Sidney Crosby with a four point night, kind of a, a neat moment because he was heavily involved in the game. And what, what's cool about it is, you know, he helped set up the game winning goal in overtime to, to get his namesake number on the scoreboard. You're not going to see that very often, but Nine combined goals in the second period. Really uh, a coach's nightmare, a goaltender's nightmare, a defensive coach's nightmare. But at the end of the day, it was fun for all involved. I know the players seemed to have a blast rolling up the goals. Sidney Crosby chuckled about it, saying it was just a really weird game. I I had a fun chat with him post-game where I said it looked like they had been winning some puck battles and getting to uh, some of the hard areas, using their speed to, to, to their benefit, probably more than they had to that point. And I asked him if that was playing into what their coach had been talking about. Uh, If that's what Mike Sullivan had meant lately by outplaying teams and not so much trying to just plain outscore them. And Sid said, well, and he he laughed and he said, he's been telling us to focus more on playing defense. So he he didn't think that played into the eight, seven score so much, but at the end of it, you will take that. You will take that score any day of the week. So um, just want to, uh, and sorry for that bing. You never know when you were, when you are going to be uh, accosted by somebody. Uh, here, give me one moment. I have to respond to a text, a text message. A very vital text message came in here. Um, but the the Penguins found a way to win that game, and um, they looked better in many facets of the game than they did during the early stages of that losing streak that I just mentioned. And I did put together some of the problems that might have occurred for the uh, Times on Sunday. And uh, it actually was in the paper on Monday. And for me, the biggest, one of the biggest issues was the penalty kill. That's been really bad for them. It was the first thing that came to mind anyway. And that's been a chief reason for their recent losing that happened in that three-game streak. Uh, and I, I did not include the stats from Monday's game because they're well off the charts. Penguins did allow a power play goal in that game as well. So you can add one to all of these PK totals that I'm going to tell you. But these were through the... Um, 
through the losing streak essentially as well as some other things so here we go the penalty kill uh, in general that's been a chief cause of their losing they've allowed six power play goals in the last four games leading up to the game against the Washington Capitals on Monday. And uh, they killed off just 11 of 17 attempts in that span. That dropped them to 25th overall in the league with a kill rate of 78.2. Now, here's an interesting stat that I, I, I was not impressed by. I guess I was impressed for the wrong reasons by. The uh, penalty kill isn't a new problem, as we all know. Aside from a stretch of 10 games between December 12th and 31st that saw the Pens kill off 28 of 30, They've killed just 87 of 117, and now that's fallen to um, 86 of 118. And uh, or no, no, not 118. It's uh, four. They had four attempts in the um, in the Washington game, but it was 87 of 117 for the season, minus that 10 games and before Monday night. That 74.3 percent kill rate would rank them second to last in the league, just ahead of the Buffalo Sabers. Now, the Penguins. Uh, ranked uh, fifth in the penalty kill last season. So for my money, I think that one of the biggest problems for that, because you, you look at it and say, well, what's not working here? Because many of the same guys are still involved. You still have Matt Cullen on the team, who sadly is going to be out hurt now. Eric Fair still here. Nick Benino, Carl Haglin, Tom Kunockel, Ian Cole, Chris Letang, Oli Matta. All of them ranked among the leaders on the Penguins in terms of shorthanded ice time. So what is really missing? And I think I mentioned this to you guys on this show before, but for me, the biggest thing that is missing is a guy like Ben Lovejoy. And that is because Ben Lovejoy, he led the 2015-16 roster with an average of 2.3, or I mean 2 minutes and 32 seconds of shorthanded time per game. He was second on the team in shorthanded block shots with 25. And he just had that blue-collar approach night in and night out. So... That, for me, is what I would look for at the trade deadline because I know we've gotten some questions about what, what we think the Pens are going to do. Is it going to be Gabriel Landis-Cog? Are they going to look for a forward? Are they going to do this or going to do that? Whatever. If they get a forward, if they get a defenseman, whatever, I think it's going to be somebody who's going to be capable of being a penalty-killing specialist of sorts, somebody that can run out there and kill some penalties, um, do some yeoman's work the way that Ben Lovejoy did last year because he's the only thing that's really different from last year's penalty-killing unit, and it has been night and day. It's not been good. Now, another big problem that I think has afflicted them during the um, stretch of up-and-down play and specifically during that losing streak is injuries. Uh, you lose Chris Letang again. He's now going to be out of the lineup um, for the foreseeable future here. And uh, he's leading their team with 25 minutes and 11 seconds per game. We all know that. Um, this is a guy that is just very, very important. And he just, he was in those games. He was in two of those games. Uh, was knocked out of the Detroit game. And I think that's why the Detroit game really started to spiral out of control. He's a guy that does a little bit of everything. I don't think Trevor Daly's played at the same level that he did last year. You read Mark Mark Madden's column at Times Online, I would assume, that talked about maybe the dip in play from Trevor Daly and how the defense as a whole has been not as good as it was last year. Guys not really playing up to their potential. Yes, Justin Schultz and Ian Cole have. They've been great, but Ole Matta, Daly, some of the others have dipped. And the AHL guys are looking a little bit like AHL guys. I'm speaking about Stephen, or Steve Alexi. Uh, Derek Pouliot, Chad Rowedel, and of course David Warsawski, who was just recently sent back down to the farm. All of those are regulars with the American Hockey League club and have been pressed into bigger duty here in Pittsburgh. We should also mention Brian Dumoulin has been out of the lineup. And when you have Daly, who, who missed some time with an injury, 
you have Chris Letang who has the missed time with injuries and Dumoulin out. Those are the three top minute munching defensemen on the Penguins roster. And I think that's taken a big toll on them. You will see tonight um, because the Penguins are set to take on the Montreal Canadiens in Montreal. Uh, there's a chance that Cameron Gounce is going to play. Uh, he came close to hitting 40 points last season with the Texas um, team which is the AHL affiliate of the Dallas Stars. He had one NHL goal in his career. He's played 20 games, and ironically, that came against the Pittsburgh Penguins back in 2011. He's a um, former draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche, has been an AHL uh, journeyman, if you will, in recent seasons. He's with the uh, He was with the Baby Pens this year and has been a, a solid addition to that club. And um, we'll see what he can do. I think he's going to make his debut for the Penguins in Montreal. He's really excited about that opportunity. So we'll see if he gets in. But um, really, I, I do feel like maybe there could be, I, w- I won't call it urgency, but there's probably some thought being given to picking up a defenseman here at some point because with these guys, uh, even when they're healthy, things have not looked 100% with this unit. And it, and it seems to be a little... Uh, something missing from that blue line mix. So we'll, we'll see what happens moving in uh, to the next handful of games. Maybe Doomlin gets back. Maybe that helps the cause. Uh, and, and that will give them an opportunity to shuffle the pairs a little bit and do some things that may be more similar to what they were doing earlier in the year. Another big problem for me, though, we already know about the PK's issues, but this team has got to stay out of the penalty box. Far too many penalties being taken in games right now um, in January. They've taken four or more in every single game they've played. And that's not counting the ones that didn't result in power plays, by the way. Those are just power play opportunities that they've had to kill. And over that span, they've allowed at least one power play goal in every game. So you know that's going to hurt. The issue, though, is the kinds of penalties for me. It's not even that they're taking them. It's that they're taking uh, lazy penalties. They have... um, they're leading. They're among the leaders in the league in terms of roughing or not roughing, uh, hooking and tripping calls. Those kinds of penalties tell me that the Penguins aren't moving their feet. They're not skating the way that they need to. They um, have gotten away from out being the team that does outwork and outskate other teams in the league. Uh, in terms of hooking penalties, the Penguins are tied for ninth in the league with 27. And this is current statistics. And in terms of trippings, they rank fourth with 31. The only teams worse than them are the Columbus Blue Jackets, which is a little surprising because they've played very well this year, Calgary and the Florida Panthers. But to see the Penguins among the leaders in those two types of penalties tells me they are not outskating teams the way that they once did. And that's something that's got to change if they want to get back to playing their style of hockey. Now, um, there are there have been still some bright spots for this team, as we all know. First and foremost, Sidney Crosby. Still just shining, playing his game, doing what he needs to do. He had a goal and three assists against the Capitals on Monday, one point behind uh, Connor McDavid, and he's done that in just 37 games. Uh, McDavid has played 46 on the season. Sid's sitting at 50 points, 27 goals. He's averaging 1.35 points per game. He has 125 shots on goal, which has been really impressive this year, and um Interestingly enough, McDavid, in his 46 games, has only rolled up 135 uh, shots on goal. So this is um, interesting. He's not shot as much as Sid. He's not scoring as many goals as Sidney Crosby. And uh, Sid has him in his sights right now to maybe overtake him for the league's lead in scoring. Not to be undone, though, Evgeny Malkin. 
right there lurking behind Sidney Crosby at number three, 21 goals, 49 points to sit one, uh, just two points behind Connor McDavid, one behind his teammate Sidney Crosby. Geno's done this in 43 games. He had a hat trick against the Capitals during the second period on Monday night, and that's Evgeny Malkin answering the call that he set for himself on Saturday because he came out and he was pretty critical when he was talking about uh, what his team did over that losing streak and what he felt they needed to do to get back. And he he, he said right out or outright, I feel like we can win the next three. And, and he went out and, and made it so against the Caps because we should mention in that Caps game, Penguins were down 2 nothing after one, 3 nothing about less than two minutes into the second period. And then the next thing you know, all heck breaks loose. Evgeny Malkin gets a goal. And from there, uh, they were off and running. They rolled up uh, six goals in the period. The Caps also scored three to make it the nine combined. So um, it, it's it's an interesting way that the Penguins are playing. They're still leading the league in goals, but they rank 25th in goals against average. That's not going to work in the playoffs. So let's hope they get this turned around. Now on to the goaltending situation. I know I said I wanted to talk some positives, and that was the Crosby-Malkin situation. Something that's not so positive, in my mind, is this goaltending situation. This is something that's just not going so well right now. You have um, Matt Murray is going to get the call tonight, and he's going to start in Montreal against the Canadians. He allowed all seven goals on Monday. He's allowed 19 goals in his last four games. Now, before you say, well, Mets, 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 Flory hasn't been good. I get you. Flory has allowed 10 in his last two starts. Both of these goaltenders have suffered due to the banged-up defense. No Latang, no Dumlin. That's hurt them. But I felt like Matt Murray's play had dipped through the latter stages of December prior to his getting hurt. Marc-Andre was starting to trend up. He was playing a little bit better. And I think that he, and this is a narrative that's running wild in the city, and I don't like to play into it, but I don't feel like he's getting maybe as long a leash at times as maybe Matt Murray because in this game with seven goals allowed, while... Yes, you don't want to throw Marc-Andre Fleury into that situation and damage his confidence. I also don't like leaving one guy in who who's not having his best game. I know he was not supported a lot either. Don't get me wrong. The defense was bad. But he still uh, let up 7, 19-4. I felt like if that was reversed, the veteran would have been pulled, probably gotten the hook in that game. And a lot of folks upstairs were talking about it. Mark Madden and I had that same conversation. So... Um, Mike Sullivan explained why he's going back to Matt Murray tonight, and this is what he had to say. Matt has had a history of responding pretty well to those types of games. He's also a guy that hasn't played a lot of games coming off of his last injury, and so we feel as though another game here, he's going to get that much more comfortable with the decisions that he makes in finding the puck and tracking the puck. I think the only uh, way as a goaltender you get that is in game situations. From our standpoint, Matt has always had a long history of responding the right way. So that's why he's able to, he's getting the chance to go back in there tonight. I'm curious to see how Murray responds because he didn't like that game the other night. He said, it's not a fun game to be a part of as a goalie. Everything is kind of around the net. I bet you every shot was a scoring chance and he's not wrong about that. He goes, so it was a lot of weird things, a lot of tips, a lot of bad bounces. Well, yes, there were bad bounces, but I will say on the other side, Braden Holtby was probably more the victim of bad bounces. Some shots were beating Murray pretty clean and uh, he did deal with some some misdirection and some tips and deflections and things. So I'm not going to beat him up too bad for letting up seven goals, but I do feel like in a different situation, that game uh, probably 
is a little different. You would have seen maybe Mark Andre Fleury get the hook, and uh, we didn't see that right now. So, anyways, let's uh, talk Mark Andre Fleury here for a moment. Since last we last we talked on this show, Bob McKenzie from TSN up in Canada, he said via the NBC Sports Network hockey coverage that. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, they were maybe aggressively trying to move him. I don't know that that is or isn't the case. It, it will be intriguing to see if that is something that's actually happening. Um, but he also added that if they can't find a taker, they would look to buy Marc-Andre Fleury out. And I honestly don't know what good it does to let that piece of information slip out. Because if there is a team out there that wants Marc-Andre Fleury, and they don't feel that they're going to win the cup with him this season, why would they give up any assets? They would just force the Penguins to buy him out. He would be available as a free agent. They could then try and make a run at signing him and not have to give up anything off of their roster, and they would also be able to maybe get him at a more sweetheart deal because we all know how these buyout situations work. A guy's getting paid not to play, so he can sign a better deal with another team. We saw it when Jay McKee came uh, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They got him for a lot less money than he was making with the St. Louis Blues when they bought him out. Brad Richards was in this situation. He signed a sweetheart deal after being bought out. Numbers of guys in the National Hockey League do this on a fairly regular basis. And um, it it's something that I, I don't know that I, not that Bob McKenzie doesn't dig that dirt up on his own, but sometimes I feel like that information's fed from somebody. And I don't know anybody in the Penguins organization that would have been served by letting that piece of it slip out. Saying we're trying to trade him is one thing. Letting the part about being bought out out there is a completely different story, and I can't really see that as uh, something that's going to help them moving forward. But I digress. Um, we uh, mentioned Cameron Gounce. I do think he is going to get a chance to play tonight in the uh, in the game in Montreal. You never know. Maybe you find lightning in a bottle, and this is a kid that is really excited about getting his uh, chance back in the league. He um, got those 20 games that I told you about. Hadn't. You know, he hasn't been able to really get back to the league for a while. He spent a couple seasons now playing in the minors. And uh, it's it's sometimes that kind of player that can appreciate what he's getting himself into that he can um, then make an impact. Because his quote, and I put this in the pregame storylines for today, I thought was kind of neat, is he said, I wish my vocabulary was big enough to fully explain it. I'm extremely excited for the opportunity to play with this team. To play in the NHL again is something that when you're in the American League, you don't want to have that shadow of doubt, but you want to be confident in yourself. But even the most confident people some days might think otherwise. So knowing that I've gotten this opportunity again is something I'm very happy with right now and I'm really looking forward to tonight. So that's a guy that wants to make an impression. He, he knows he was playing well in the American League, and uh, here's hoping that he can do it again uh, up here in the NHL if he does, in fact, get himself into the game. Now, let's quickly uh, take a quick, or let's take a quick look, that is, at the uh, game tonight that the Penguins are going to play. As I mentioned, they snapped their three-game losing streak with that crazy 8-7 overtime win over the Caps Monday. Evgeny Malkin picked up his 11th hat-trick in that game. We'll see if he can keep that moving into this game against Montreal. I'm still a little surprised Marc-Andre Fleury's not getting the call. 
in Montreal. I mean, he lived, he grew up roughly an hour outside of Montreal, and it's going to be tough for him uh, to swallow not playing in this game. But again, I digress, not my decision or yours or anybody else's, but the head coach, Mike Sullivan, and he usually has pressed all of the right buttons so far over the course of his tenure in Pittsburgh. Uh, Connor Sheary had two goals in that last game, including the OT winner. Uh, He had an assist in that game as well. That was a career high in points for him with three Justin Schultz had a career-high four assists against the Caps. He's now at 25 points in 21 games, in his last 21 games, that is. Trevor Daly also had a career-high with three assists. So we're going to need to see, I think, as folks that follow this team, all of those guys doing that at a high level against the Montreal Canadiens because it's not going to be... Uh, an easy game by any means. First, you're going on the road to a hostile environment uh, to play a team that sometimes has the Penguins number. I know the Pens beat them in overtime, um, you know, going into their bye week, but this is, this is a, this is a team that, that likes to get up for games against the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've gone six, three and one in their last 10. They have 60 points, 27 wins. It's not going to be easy. Uh, The, the um, Canadians are a team, though, like I just pointed out, they have a lot of weapons. Shea Weber firing those pucks. And I know they like to block shots around the league now. If I'm the Penguins, I don't get in front of too many of his shots because that's a guy that can break bones every time he cranks it up and you don't want to lose anybody else, specifically from your blue line. Carey Price, um, he has been an outstanding pretty much throughout this year. Yes, he's had some ups and downs, but we all know that's sometimes a testament to the team in front of him as well. And both uh, Price and Weber were named to the All-Star game. Uh, Michelle Terrian, former Penguins coach, he is um, picked up his 800th, appeared in his 800th career game on January 14th against the Rangers and won it 5-4. to four. And he will get the chance to coach his first ever All-Star game this year. So a neat moment for Iron Mike. Uh, still somebody that I have a, a great level of respect for. I always enjoyed dealing with him. He was uh, he was fun for me to, to cover, and uh, I do still miss covering him, even though Mike Sullivan's been a lot of fun as well. Um, the Canadians missing still several players, and we should tell you about those so you don't see them in the lineup tonight. That's David DeArnay. He's still out with a knee. Brendan Gallagher out with an ugly hand injury after he took a Shea Weber shot uh, that pretty much destroyed his hand, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Andre Markov still out of the lineup with a groin injury. And uh, Paul Byron, who was a main player in that 4-3 game against uh, loss to the Penguins on New Year's Eve, he's out of the lineup. Alex Galchenyuk still out, and Andrew Shaw still out as well. So um, should be a fun game in Montreal, but we'll see how it shakes out. Let's get you a couple quick Twitter questions here. Our old buddy Needles Hill asks, um, Penn's got good goalie, or have good Good goalie prospects, so most say trade 29. Crazy crazy as it sounds, would a Murray trade bring a better return? Short answer, Chris, yes. I think that a lot of people, uh, you might be able to get more for Matt Murray, but that's the guy that's not going anywhere. They're not going to trade um, uh, Matt Murray, even though I feel like he's been a little more human as of late. He's still a young player. He's a lot more affordable, and I don't see them um, moving on from him in terms of a trade unless they got absolutely blown away. But uh, yes, I do feel like he would bring a better return, but I don't think that's a move that Jim Rutherford's really entertaining at the moment. Uh, Jason on Twitter asked, and this came from last week after he listened to the show, because I sort of shot down the Landis Cog rumors a little bit, and he said, well, what about a Jets trade for Marc-Andre Fleury involving Jacob Truba and some other components makes more sense than the Avs scenario? 
Well, you may have noticed in league circles that the Winnipeg Jets just recalled Andre Pavlik, who ironically is a former Cape Breton Screaming Eagle himself, just like Marc-Andre Fleury from their American Hockey League affiliate. And it looks like uh, he's going to be in the net tonight for the Winnipeg Jets. So if he comes in and plays well, I don't see them really shuffling things up too much. I know the youngsters up there, Hellebuck and um, Michael Hutchinson, did not do the job this year. This was their chance to shine, and they both faltered. Now, if Pavlik comes in and doesn't really solidify the goaltending position, keep your eye on it because maybe they would be a dark horse candidate to acquire Marc-Andre Fleury, and um, Jacob Truba would be a very nice fit on the Penguins' blue line. There is certainly no doubt about that. Thanks for those questions, boys. We uh, look forward to answering those on a weekly basis. Now, here is your news of the weird for the week, and this one is just downright creepy. I don't know what this is all about, but it involves uh, dismembered deer carcasses. They were just found in Ohio, and they it's just been a mystery. No one knows the answer. This is from New Franklin, Ohio. Police in Northeast Ohio have no leads in solving a Friday the 13th mystery involving the dumping of several dismembered deer carcasses alongside a road. The Akron Beacon Journal reports the mutilated and disemboweled remains of at least three deer were discovered on the side of the road in New Franklin last Friday. Police say the does were found, so they uh, avoided going after the bucks. Maybe they thought the uh, they would gore them with their horns or something. But police say the does were found wrapped in duct tape, and they didn't appear to be killed for meat. So these were just killed for thrill, which is sickening. Anyway, I did tell you it's news for the news of the weird here. So this is certainly very very weird. Investigators believe someone harvested organs from the animals before they were left on the side of the road. Lieutenant Ed Klein said the case doesn't look normal. Well, I don't know that there are many deer dismemberment cases that are normal, Lieutenant, but I, uh, once again, I digress. Uh, the Ohio Division of Natural Resources Division of Wildlife has been notified, so we'll see what happens there. And with that, we end this edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. Thanks for listening, as always. And, of course, we will be back next Wednesday, so you better be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast.